I was reflecting upon a time when my children were much younger. They were smaller. One of the things that we enjoyed doing as a family was going to the movies. I can't remember the last time I've been to a movie, but when they were smaller, we would go to the movies all the time. And of course, sometimes we'd buy refreshments from uh, the counter. And then, tell you the truth, other times we took our own refreshments. Sharon had that big old purse, and we had our own chicken wings. <clears throat> but they used to, I don't know if they still do this, used to have a big vending machine in the lobby with fruit juices in there and all of that. So one time I told my sons, they were much smaller, I said, y'all can get whatever y'all want from this, this vending machine, this fruit juice, just pick the one you want. So while they were trying to make a decision, I pulled some dollar bills out of my pocket. I was trying to get the wrinkles out of it so I could slide it into the machine. My youngest son, KJ, couldn't have been three or four years old. He had already made his decision. And he was at the vending machine just pushing the button, pushing the button appropriate to the fruit drink that he wanted. And of course, nothing was coming out. And he finally looked up at me and said, Daddy, ain't nothing coming out. I said, son, because you ain't put nothing in. That's a life principle. Some of us are trying to get something out of life and we haven't put anything into the life. And the reason I had yet to put anything into it is because I was trying to get my money straight. That's what I want to preach to you about today. Get your money straight. Because some of us are pushing all the right buttons. You can see how fruitful life has been for everybody else. All the stuff they've been receiving, all the things they have, and you're pushing all the right buttons and nothing's coming out. You went to the right school, you got a job with the right company, you networked with the right people, you joined the right church, you have pushed all the right buttons and still life is not fruitful for you. I submit unto you is because you need to get your money straight. In Proverbs chapter 31, I want you to hear what verse 18 has to say. Please leave your Bibles open. I'm going to do some of these verses on today. Proverbs chapter 31, this is from the New Living Translation. Verse 18 says, she makes sure her dealings are profitable. Her lamp burns late into the night. This woman is literally burning the midnight oil to make sure her dealings are profitable. She's getting her money straight. Y'all, really Proverbs 31, if you put it in its proper context, verse 1 and 2 tells us it's about a mother that's given counsel and advice to her son. Her son is a king. And, and many theologians believe that this is Bathsheba that has given counsel to her son, King Solomon. And as she's given counsel to her son, who is a king, she's telling him, don't start abusing alcohol. You got too much authority for that. You got too much power to be out here abusing alcohol. You got too much nobility and, and authority and influence. Don't waste it abusing alcohol. And then she told him, don't forget about the poor. But all the blessings you have, you want to make sure you're helping poor people. And become, she told him, a voice for the voiceless. That people listen to you because of your influence, because of your power and authority. Don't just speak for yourself. Speak for people that folk don't listen to. 
And then she told him to bring justice and righteousness into the lives of people because you have the influence to help make that happen. But then she told him this, be careful what woman you bring in your life. This is a mother giving counsel to her son about the kind of woman he needs to marry. She said, because you can bring the right woman in here and the, the wrong woman in here. And if you bring in the wrong woman, it'll ruin everything you're trying to do. Don't say amen. Just look at amen for me. <laughs> you can get the wrong man in your life and everything you're trying to accomplish will be ruined because you bring in the wrong man. So here's a mother. She's, she's giving godly advice and godly counsel to her son, and she doesn't want him to miss this. And she said, you need to make sure that you get a woman that recognizes her virtue and value in her own personhood. Virtue and value. Let me, let me read the verse to you. It's Proverbs 31 and 10. Verse 10 says, who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is more precious than rubies. She said, make sure you get a, a, a woman that knows about her virtue, knows about her value, that's working not just on position and prestige and prominence, but on her own person to know who she is. Because you are a king and she's going to be your queen and you need a woman with some virtue and value. Because every man is not looking for a woman with virtue. Some men want a woman with no virtue. Y'all ain't helping me preach. Some men want a woman with no value. But you a king. You got to be careful what kind of woman that you bring in here. And this is, um, this is, this is in a time where it's a male-dominated society. It's a patriarchal kind of culture where men look at women as being second-class citizens. But his mother is saying, you need a woman who know who she is on her own, her own virtue, her own godly character and attributes, her own value apart from a man. In that time, women thought they needed a man to bring value to them. So their father, their husband, their sons to bring value. In that time, women thought they were important if they had a man who was important. They thought they were significant if they had a man who was significant. They, they thought they had value if they had a man with some value. She says, no, you need a woman to understand she's significant all by herself. She's got value all by herself. She doesn't need a man to bring that to her. Because when you look at it, it's talking about this value in verse 10. She doesn't get a man till verse 11. Because she had value without a man. She wasn't waiting on a man to bring value to her. So if a man shows up after verse 10 and she gets a man in her life, he didn't bring her value. She already had that. And if he shows up, it doesn't work, and he leaves, when he leaves, he doesn't take her value with him. He ain't bringing the value to her. But she, his mom said, you need a woman that already recognizes that before you connect with them that understands her value is, New Living Translation, more than rubies. She's more precious than rubies. She's, she has more, her value is not based on what she puts on. Rubies, what she wears. 
She, she's a child of God. She's a child of the king. Y'all, you and I both need to make sure that we believe Jesus died on the cross. We believe God raised him from the dead. We receive him by faith. And once you do that, you're a child of God. That means you're a child of the king. That makes you a princess. That makes us a prince. And because of that, we already have value because of who we are with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Do I have a witness in here? So it's the virtue and the value, working on your own person. This is before possessions, and this is before you bring somebody else in it. So many of us, we act like we human havers. We're not human havers. We're human beings. It's ontological. It is being who makes you who you are. It's not what you drive or what you wear or how much money you make. Y'all, your clothes don't make you. You make your clothes. Your car don't drive you. You drive your car. Your money don't make you. You make your money. So she said, you got to get all that straight before you, you marry this one. And then she told her, make sure that you have a woman who realizes that she can be a producer. I love this woman that's being described here. This is a profile of a prolific woman, a productive woman because she is a producer. I want to read it to you in verse 13, then I'm going to read verse 24. She finds wool and flax and busily spins it. That's verse 13. Verse 24, she makes belted linen garments and sashes to sell to the merchant. Here's a woman who's working with her hands. She's taking wool and linen. She's making clothing. She's making belts. She's making... Um, these scarves that you could throw over your shoulder or wrap around your head or you can even wear those. She's, she's making clothing because she's a producer and she's producing her own line of clothing. These are not the clothes she's going to wear. Later on in there, it talks about how she wears purple garments because that's what royalty wore in that day. She wears purple garments. The clothes she's making is not for her to wear, it's for her to sell. Because she's a producer. She's got her own brand. She's got her own line of clothes. This is in a time where men looked at women as second-class citizens. But her thing is this. I don't care what you think about me. It's what I think of me that is so significant here. And she, she begins, this is, this is before Donna Karen of New, New York. This is before Mrs. Prada. This is before the devil was wearing Prada. This is before Rihanna got her clothing line. This woman already had a line of clothes and was a producer. To teach you and I, if we're going to get our money straight, we got to learn how to be producers. Most of us are great consumers. We don't know how to be producers. We're great consumers. Um, let me do it like this. Black people in the United States have the earning power of more than $1.6 trillion with a T. We have the earning power of more than $1.6 trillion. But the average black family in America has a net worth of less than $5,000. The average white family in America has a net worth of more than $100,000. Because for whatever reason, black folk, we have not learned how to be producers. We've become great consumers. Pastor, what is net worth? Net worth is when you add up all your cash, all your reserves, all your bank accounts, 
your stocks, your bonds, you add up the equity in your house, add up the value of your car or whatever else you possess. You add the value of all that, add all that together and then subtract your debt, credit card debt, consumer loan debt, school loan debt, what you still owe in your house. Subtract all of that. What you have left over is net worth. For white families, it's more than $100,000. For the average black family, it's less than 5000 because we've become great consumers and we have not learned how to produce. I'm not saying produce your own line of clothing, but I'm saying you got to produce something. When, when you produce what other folk consume, you're on your way to financial prosperity. When all you do is consume what other folk produce, you're on your way to poverty. When you start producing what other people need, now you have financial self ability. But when all you do is need what other people produce, it costs you so much. We got to learn how to be producers and you are more like God when you produce. We are more like the enemy when we consume. God with his creativity and ingenuity produced heaven and earth. Then he created us after his own image. So we have creativity and ingenuity, but we're not using it to produce we're using it to consume. The enemy comes to do nothing but to steal, kill, and destroy. That's consuming. So when all we do is consume, we're more like the enemy. When we start producing, we become more like God. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm trying to help you get your money straight. This, this woman had a Rothweiler. Y'all know the, the big old dog, Rothweiler. And, um, and, and this Rothweiler, she, called, she named him Siren. And so Siren... Um, he was full of energy and vim and vitality, and he was a, a happy dog and played around a lot. And one day she went to work. When she came home, he had no vim and vitality. He had no energy. He was just laying around. He was slowful. He wasn't doing anything. He wasn't playful. And she knew something was wrong with Siren. So she takes her dog to the vet. They run these tests on the dog, and they do x-rays on the dog and discovered that Siren had 201 coins in his stomach. When she had left for work, she left these coins on the table, on the floor, and Siren had gone around and ingested 201 coins. It, be it became toxic in his stomach, and unfortunately, I hate to tell you this, but Siren didn't make it. And I wanted to bring it up because I want you to know why Siren didn't make it. He didn't make it because he tried to consume every dime he saw. Every coin he saw, he tried to consume it. And it became toxic and he didn't make it. Some of us are not making it financially because we try to consume every dime we get. I just read this a couple of weeks ago. One third of the people in the United States of America, black, white, Latino, Asian, whatever it is, one-third of the of people in the United States who make more than $250,000 a year live from paycheck to paycheck. You mean you make a quarter of a million dollars a year and at the end of a year, you don't have anything to show for you live from paycheck to paycheck? Because we've become great consumers and we have not understood that, y'all, we can be producers. If you understand me, say amen. This is a mother that told her son, you got to be careful what kind of woman you get. Get a woman, get somebody in your life who can recall 
seed, time, and harvest. Seed, time, and harvest. It is a principle. I love our charismatic brothers and sisters because they talk about that all the time. Seed, time, and harvest. It is a principle that you live by so that you can get your money right. I'll, I'll show it to you here uh, in, in verse 16. In verse 16, Proverbs 31 and 16, she goes to inspect the field and buys it. With her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She goes and inspects the field and buys it. With her earnings, she then plants a field because she understands the principle of seed, time, harvest. She buys a field with her earnings. Where did she get these earnings from? Sister girl got her own line of clothing. So the profit she made off of producing, she didn't just go buy some new shoes and, and new hat and gloves and jewelry and, and take a vacation to Egypt. No, she could have, and all that's fine. That's great. But she took those earnings and went and bought property. She went and bought land. She went and bought a field. She bought something that has the potential to appreciate in value off of the earnings that she has. Because now Sister Girl has multiple streams of income. She not, only has, she not only has a line of clothing, now she's into real estate. She's got more than one stream of income. Y'all, most of us, that's how we going to make it. It's not off one thing. You got to be able to, to do more than one thing in order to make it. And when she buys this property, it says she inspected it. She examined it. She didn't just see a sign in the yard and then give them what they asked for. No. She did her due diligence. She did her homework. How much did these other properties sell for over here before I buy this field? And then she had somebody to come and check it out. Is it, is it a floodplain? Am I going to be able to develop this? Is, am I going to be able to do something else with this land? And so she's checking out. She's doing her homework. And then she gets an appraisal. Then she buys it with the earnings that she has. And then she decides, uh, and, 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 and I want to tell you all this about this real estate and I'm not saying get into the real estate business, but I'm because I, I know some challenges with that. You really got to do your homework, but at least it has the potential to appreciate in value. The leadership in this ministry, we have not always agreed on everything. We still don't agree always on everything. But one thing we've always agreed on, and that's buying land. We own a bunch of land. You know why we always agree on that? Because God ain't making no more of it. So if somebody wants some land, they got to get it from us. And we're going to sell it for more than what we paid for the land. It appreciates in value. That's what I'm trying to get across to you. When is the last time you spent money or made an investment on something that appreciates in value? When is the last time? So appreciates. That means if you had to sell it, you can get more for it than what you paid for it. That's an appreciation. Most of us spend our money in, on stuff that depreciates in value, like clothes. I don't care how you look really nice, but it depreciates in value. Shoes, I don't care what color the bottoms of them are, they depreciate in value. Jewelry depreciates in value. Cars, the moment you drove it off the lot, it's worth less than what you just paid for Go buy a car, drive it around the back, a block, and then try to sell it back to them. They ain't going to pay you what you pay for. They're going to give you less than that. It depreciates in value. When is the last time 
you bought something or invested in something that appreciates in value, like a business or a company or mutual funds or stocks or bonds. When's the last time you put something on your 401k or your 403b? Why are y'all looking at me like I'm speaking in tongues? I'm trying to help you get your money straight to invest in something that appreciates in value. And then when she got the land, she decided, I'm not going to do housing with it. You, got, you, you can do all kinds of stuff with land. She said, what I'm going to do, verse 16, is plant a vineyard. Plant a vineyard? Yes. Now she's going to develop the land that she owns, and she's going to plant a vineyard. Now, here's the thing about her, because it's, it's, it's about uh, seed time harvest. She plants a vineyard. She plants seed. Gives it time. Now she's got a harvest. That's what I'm trying to get across. This is a patient woman. This is a woman that's not trying to, to, to go from rags to riches overnight. She's patient. If you were to plant some seeds today, you don't go out looking at them tomorrow thinking you're going to have something already. No. It is seed time. You have to be patient to get your most of us try to start where our parents finished. So you just got out of school. You just graduated. Got your first real job. Now you're trying to get the same kind of house your mama got in that neighborhood with that furniture, with those vehicles. You're trying to start where she left off. That's your daddy's fifth house. First they had a little itty-bitty house. Then they had you and your brothers and sisters. So they took the equity from that, made a down payment on a larger home. And then they got a promotion and a raise and, and spent some time there. And they built more equity. They took the equity out of that and made a down payment on a large. They own their fifth house now. It's 20 years later. You're trying to start where they're finishing because you ain't got no patience. Because you don't understand the principle of seed, time, and harvest. You have to, you have to give it time. What messed us up with, with time are credit cards. This get it now, pay for it later at 24% interest. My first, my first job, well, I was 15 years old, and my first job was at Value City Department Store on East 38th Street. Y'all remember Value City? That was my first job. They had me doing everything from sweeping floors to bringing the, the bags out to stocking to separating hang. I did everything for them, including helping with layaway. Y'all know what the layaway is, do you? Here, here's what layaway is when a customer would come in, see what they want to buy, and then they would take it to the counter, put something, put money down on it, get a slip back, Here's how much you owe the next time you come. Then I would have to put that in the layaway section. They'll come back another day, make another payment on it, and we write, here's what it is. Okay, this was, so here, back then, you put it on the layaway because you're not paying 24% interest because you're using the time to get the money so that now you can get it without paying the interest on it. Then came credit cards. Buy it now. Get it now. Pay for it later. And, and it's messing up our life because we don't understand seed time harvest. You, you, have to, you have to be patient. 
and, and this seed time and harvest, y'all, you always reap what you sow. Some of us are trying to get a harvest and we haven't sown any seed. It's seed time harvest. There is no harvest without seed. You always reap what you sow. You always reap after you sow. And you always reap more than you sow. Okay. Uh, uh, you have to seed to your need. Seed to your need. Yeah. What is it that you need? Whatever you need, that's the seed that you have to use. So if you want apples, you can't plant orange seed. Wondering why I can't get apples. You seed to your need. So somebody saying, well, Pastor, you know, tell you the truth, I need, some, I need some real friends in my life. Then be more friendly. You seed to your need. I really wish I had, I need somebody to love me. Then be more loving. You seed to your need. Pastor, I need some money. Seed to your need. My pastor used to say this with this seed time heart. My childhood pastor used to say, you can count how many seeds are in an apple, but you cannot count how many apples are in a seed. Because when you plant the seed, you don't know what God is going to bring out of that seed. But you got to take the seed and plant it in good soil. She planted a vineyard. A vineyard. Yeah, now she's, she's got grapes. Now she's got grape juice. Now sister girl got her own winery. She's got a vineyard. Notice how she's producing. She produces what most folk need, what most folk use. She's got a line of clothes. Everybody wear clothes. She's producing grapes. Most of us eat grapes. She's producing grape juice. A lot of us drink grape juice. And if we'll tell the truth, most of us drink a little wine every now and then too. She's, she's producing what people need. That's why she's doing so well with multiple streams of income because she understands th th this, this seed time and harvest. Yo, one of the tallest trees in the world are redwood trees. You can go to California, gigantic redwood trees. They grow to be like 350 feet tall, 400 feet tall. They live more than 1,000 years. One tree can produce 100,000 seeds a year. But when, when they produce the seeds, they come in these little pods. And when you break that pod open, there are seed, redwood seeds in there. They are the size of tomato seeds. But you could take that, that tomato-sized seed, that redwood seed, take that seed and put it in good soil. Over time, you can have a tree that's 400 feet tall and lives more than 1,000 years. But it started with putting the seed in the right place. And most of us are on our way to poverty because we keep taking the seed that God has given to us and we keep putting it in the wrong place. You got to sow good seed in good soil. You give to every good work. I'm, I'm going to do it like this because somebody literally changed my life. I'm, I was born and raised in poverty. I was in poverty a very long time. And nobody ever taught me how to manage money, let alone from a biblical perspective. Nobody taught me that. And now my mother, my father, nobody, no, nobody, no church, nobody taught me how to manage money. And so, um, so I, I was messing up money like everybody else. And, and when Lady Sharon and I, when we got married, we were both young, 
And Pastor Frank Alexander stood at the altar and said to us, till death do you part. He should have said, till debt do you part. Because Sharon brought her credit card debt, school loan debts. I brought my credit card debt, school loan. When I was a freshman in college, I signed my name one time. They gave me five or six credit cards. It jacked my life up for the next 10 years. That was, the worst thing for me to do was to put my name on that piece of paper. And nobody ever taught me how to manage money from a biblical perspective. That's why we have Financial Freedom Institute, because I'm trying to help you to get your money straight. And so I'm going to do that right now. Here's the way I learned it. I was 27 years old. I went to E.K. Bailey's Preachers Conference in Dallas, Texas. Lady Sharon went with me. I was 27 years old. I went there to learn how to preach. And Timothy, Pastor Timothy Winters, San Diego, California, Bayview Church, he was teaching about stewardship. Sharon and I sat in the class. He taught for hour and a half. I'm not going to take that long, but I'm going to tell you fundamentally what he told me is the same thing we teach in, in our financial freedom class. So we sat right there together. We both, we broke, we, we brought more debt after we got married. It was a mess. It was impacting our marriage in a negative way. And here's what Tim Winter said. Tim Winter said, if you want to live a debt-free life, debt is when you're making monthly payments on things that depreciate in value. So if you're making monthly payments, on, on the clothes you bought with a credit card or making monthly payments on a car, or make, anything that depreciates in value and you're making monthly payments on it, that is debt. He says you can live debt-free. I'm a living witness. Here's how he said to do it. I'm going to give it to you real quick. Don't miss this. The first thing he said you're going to have to do to live a debt-free life is work. Work. He said it's a four-letter word, but it's not a bad word. And I know we're living in the great resignation. I know people are quitting jobs. But you cannot get out of debt if you're not willing to work. I'm going to go through this real quick. Verse 13, she finds wool and flax and busily spends it. That is work. In verse 15, she gets up before dawn to prepare breakfast for her household and plan the day's work. That's work. In verse 17, she is energetic and strong, is a hard worker. That is work. In verse 19, her hands are busy spinning thread. Her fingers are twisting fiber. That's work. In verse 22, she makes her own bedspreads. That is work. In verse 24, she makes belted linen garments and sashes to sell to the servants. This is a sister that's working. You cannot have a debt-free life. You cannot have financial stability if you're not willing to work. After work, he says, then you have to make sure that you pay God. Pay your tithe. That's first fruit. So whatever increase you get from your work, you bring a tenth of that, you give it to God. Some of us will never have financial pro uh, prosperity because we're robbing God. Malachi asked, will a man rob God? The answer is yes, and women will too. How are we robbing you? When you don't tithe. You pay God his tithe. Malachi said that when you don't tithe, you're already cursed with a curse. When you don't tithe, God doesn't have to come down from heaven to curse you. You already curse with a curse. But what the tithe does, it removes the curse and releases the blessings. When you start paying God right, God opens the windows of heaven and pours you out a blessing that you don't have room enough to receive. You got to work. You got to pay God. Then pay yourself. Pay yourself? Yeah. Savings, reserves. 
whether it's, it's savings or investments or stocks or bonds, or put something on your 401k or your 403b, that your IRA, you, you got to pay yourself. So you got a percentage that goes to God every time you get an increase, and then a percentage that goes to yourself every time you get an increase. And then he said, pay your taxes on time and in full. Pay your taxes. Don't be messing around with the IRS. Pay them on time and in full. Y'all, the Internal Revenue Service in the United States of America is the best collection agency in the world. They're going to get their money, and they're going to get it with interest. They're going to get it with penalties. And if you act like you ain't going to pay it, they'll garnish your wages. They'll take it from your job before it gets to you. You still act like you don't want to pay. They will take your house. They're going to get their money. Go to work. Pay God, pay yourself, pay your taxes on time and in full, and then live within your means. Pastor, what do you mean live within your means? Stop trying to keep up with everybody else. You don't know where they're getting their money from. You don't know what's happening in their situation. You don't drive a car simply because somebody else is driving it or live in a neighborhood simply because somebody, no, you got to live within your means. Stop trying to keep up with the Joneses. I know the Joneses. It's going to be rough to keep up with them. They really got it going on. Live within your means. When I did that, four years later, Lady Sharon and I were debt-free. Four years. Now, it didn't happen overnight. It's seed time harvest. It happened over time because we didn't get in debt overnight. We weren't going to get out of debt overnight. But after four years of discipline, we had to stay with it. You got to, over time, you stay with it. And we got out of debt when I was 31 years old. We have not made a payment or monthly payment for anything that is a debt that depreciates in value in 29 years. And I'm telling you, going from poverty to prosperity is a wonderful journey that's worth taking. Get your money straight. And then, then the text says, you need to get you a woman. You need to get somebody in your life who remembers the poor, remembers the poor. It, it talks about how in verse 20, she extends a helping hand to the poor and opens her arms to the needy. Y'all, if you really want to get your money straight, learn how to bless the poor. Don't you ever forget where you came from. I, I'll never forget poverty. I know what it was. I know what it was like to live in poverty. And I remember people coming alongside, helping us to make it through the, that season of poverty in my life. That's why when folk talk about my prosperity, I don't care what you're saying, because you didn't say nothing when I was in poverty. But when God flipped the script and he turned it around, and I'm a living witness that God can turn it around, but don't forget where you came from. Solomon says, when you give to the poor, it's like lending to the Lord. Like, yo, for 102 years, Eastern Star Church has given to the poor. For 102 years, we've given to the poor. And it's like loaning money to God. And y'all, God ain't like us when it, when it comes to borrowing money. Y'all know how we are when we borrow money. Somebody borrowed some money from you. You ain't seen them since. They disappeared. They were in your face every day. Then you lent them some money. Now you can't find them. 
Y'all know how we are when we borrow money? We get mad at the person that lent it to us because we didn't pay them back. Start talking about, I wish I had never borrowed it from I wish you hadn't either. You said you were going to pay me back. But when you give to the poor, it's like loaning money to God. And when God pays you back, he pays you back with interest. Some 30%, some 60%, some 100%. Because God ain't going to let you beat him giving. The more you give to the poor, then the more God is going to give to you. One of my favorite stories, one of my favorite stories is about Mason Peoples. Mason Peoples is a six, seven-year-old, goes to elementary school in Las Vegas. And in 2020, right in the middle of the pandemic, it was, it was the day at their school to take pictures. And all the children had on masks. But when it was time to take their picture, they take their mask down. Photographer would take their picture. And then they put their mask back on. Except Mason Peoples, he refused to take his mask off. Photographer said, okay, take your mask off. I want to see that big smile. He said, no, my mama told me to not take my mask off in school. She said, the only time I need to take my mask off is when I'm playing outside or in the cafeteria eating when there's not a lot of people around me. I'm not taking my mask off. The photographer said, I don't think she'd mind if you just take it off for a second so we can take your picture. And for the school pit, he said, no. My mama told me not to take this mask off, and I always obey my mother. The photographer was so impressed with a six-year-old who always obeys his mother that the photographer put the picture of the boy on the photographer's own social media platforms. People around the nation got so impressed, they were reaching out to Mason's mother. They wanted to give Mason a reward, buy him a gift, give him some money. Let's reward him because he always obeys his mother. The mother said, we don't need anything. He don't need any more toys and gifts. We don't need that. No, we don't, we don't want it. She said they kept messing with her. She kept getting people talking about that so much. She finally went and established a GoFundMe account for Mason. And, and the last I checked, I stopped following it, but the last time I checked, it had gotten up to $41,000. She thought, she said, we're going to get 6 or $7. I'll take him to the store and let him buy something. It got up to $41,000. I, could, I was thinking, if you, because she called it a college fund now, if you take 41000 put it in mutual funds at 8% interest over the next 12 years when he gets ready to go to college, that ain't too bad. All because this is a boy who always obeys his mother and got $41,000 out of it. Y'all, how much more for those of us who are children of God if we obey our heavenly mother, we obey our heavenly father, don't you know that God will open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you don't have room enough to receive it? Do I have a witness in here? Let me get to the last thing, and I'll, I'll let you go. This is a mother trying to give some advice and counsel to her son. You're a king. you got to be careful who you bring in this. Get you a woman. Bring somebody in your life that reverences God and demonstrates that with her praise. I said reverence is God, honors God, fear of God. Verse, verse 30, charm is deceitful and beauty does not last. But a woman who fears the Lord will be greatly praised. Reward for all she has done. Let her deeds publicly declare her praise. This is a woman that knows that charm is deceitful and beauty won't last. 
but that fear of God, that reverence of God, that, that awe of God, that right relationship that you need to have with God. I told you all the wonderful things she has going on, and I, I ain't even look at half of it. But she says it's only happening because of her reverence for God. Y'all, many of us are missing out on life because we're trying to do it without God. You need a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. You need to be a Christian. And when that happened, that's when things started working for her. That's when she got her money right. And the text says that, that her children, in verse 28, began to praise her. They rose up and, 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 and they, they called her mom blessed. They began to praise her. And her husband praised her. So she was getting praise in her family because of how she was operating her life. And it said, and the men in the gate praised her. Wait a minute. She was getting praise in her family and getting praise in the community. Now, I'm, put this in parentheses. This is parenthetical. So this ain't even supposed to be a part of the message. I just want to help married brothers out for a second. Because her husband praised her. Her husband gave her comp and the men in the gate. See, some of us think that if you don't praise your wife, she ain't going to get no praise. Because <laughs> you, you don't compliment her, she ain't going to get no compliment. No, that just means she ain't getting no compliment from you. Because the brothers in the gate, they going to compliment her. Because when she go to work, I know you didn't say nothing, but at work, her co-worker going to say, I, I hope your husband realizes that he's just a lucky feller because you, you're just a beautiful young woman. And, I, and then y'all know we praise her when she comes to church. I hope your husband knows how blessed he is because I see the favor of God all over you. She's getting praised at work. She's getting praised at the church. And she's getting praised when she walks down the street. Y'all know those brothers. Hey, hey. Your man don't know what to do with all of that. You need a real man like me. And then go home and you ain't got nothing to say. But when she got praise from her children, got praise from her husband, praise from the brothers in the community, verse 31 says she took all that praise and gave it to God. Because she knows the only reason I've been able to be productive, the only reason I've been able to make it, the only reason I've been able to do this is because of what I have with God. Y'all, when folk begin to praise you, you got to turn around and give the praise to where it belongs. I got to close. I got to close. Uh, I'm going to close it like this. My, my, my number two son called me this week and said, Dad, I think I have an illustration for you. I said, good, because I need one. I need them to understand that charm is deceitful and that beauty won't last, that they got to have this right relationship with God if they're going to get things to work in their life. And he said, Dad, I think this going to help you. I said, okay, what happened? He said, I, I, you know, I, I, I do photos. My son has multiple streams of income. He got his master's degree in marketing, so he does marketing, but he also, he does photos. He understands multiple streams of income. And he said, I needed some, I needed another memory card. I don't have enough memory on the cards I have. So I wanted to have an increase. I wanted to have an expansion of, of memory and footage. So I went and I bought a, a new memory card. He said, but when I got home, put it in the computer, nothing came on. You couldn't see anything. Nothing was happening. He took it out of the computer, put it in his, his camera. Still nothing was there. He said, I thought it was a defective memory card. So he said, I went back to the store and said, y'all sold me a defective memory card. It doesn't work in my computer or my camera. Nothing shows up. And the manager says, no, there's nothing wrong with the card. 
he asked him, did you put it in the adapter? There was another black card that was in there. And Jordan said, I thought that was just another memory card. I didn't know that you had to take the memory card, stick it in that black covering, that adapter, then stick it in your computer. And he said, when he did that, I had more memory than I ever had, more footage than I ever had. I was able to do more work. I had expansion. I had increase because it was covered. Y'all, the issue for so many of us why we don't experience increase, why we don't experience expansion, why we don't have more is because we're just not covered. If anyone be in Christ, they are a new creation. And once you get covered by Jesus, y'all do know that God is able to supply every need you have. Do I have a witness in this place? Come on, stand with me.